This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Welcome to another episode of Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and it is October 4th, 2023. We've got quite a bit to talk to you about today. Uh, of course, joining me as he always does is Arusha Pires. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm, I'm doing well, Justin. Well, I would have done a little bit better if, if we were able to get over this threshold for the, the fall today, but uh, it looks like we're not going to make it. I, I, I almost was glad that we yeah. did you know yeah, I, I i don't know what i would have done with that um we'll certainly talk a lot more about the market um but let's also bring on our special guest here harold morris now harold morris has been uh at ibd for a very long time he he and i were in uh customer service way back in the day and he moved up he was kind of known for his patience with education he would take a take his time and really help educate our uh, customers, our subscribers, uh, going through the paper, going through our products. Uh, so he's a he's a senior product coach now. And welcome to the show, Harold. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. I can't believe this is the first time. Like, yeah. you know, you're on IBD Live all the time. You're kind of a crowd favorite. Um, and of course, one of the things that we're going to be talking about with Harold is options, because, you know, usually when we're kind of scratching our heads and, you know, saying, gosh, you know, people are asking questions about options. There's not very many uh, folks <laughs> around our office that do options, but Harold is one of the few. So, Harold, maybe you can start by telling us, how did you get into the whole options thing? Well, it, it started out, uh, I was at a at a trade show, uh, the Traders Expo in New York. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had, a, we had a seminar there and we were going to check out our conference room. On the way up, there was already a conference already going and noticed that the room was packed. I mean, every chair was packed. It was filled. People standing along the walls, just standing everywhere. And we were wondering, who, who is this? What turned out to be John Carter. John Carter is a very, uh, very good options trader. So I checked out his site. It's simpleroptions.com. And the rest is history. That's how mm -hmm. I got my start into options. Mm -hmm. So, Harold, Harold, what? Because uh, you were studying, you, you were studying uh, CanSlim and uh, Investors Business Daily, the methodology uh, as a customer too, right? I, and you, you were studying this for a while, and you were trading stocks for a long time. Oh yeah. What, yeah. what kind of inspired you to switch? Because I, I, I want to say like you were one of the first to mm -hmm. to switch from taking what you're finding through IBD and instead of buying the stock, you, you were uh, trading a, an option. Yeah. So I started out with, I was, a, I was a subscriber prior to joining IBD. I took out my first subscription in summer of 1998, started working for the company in April, 2002, but it wasn't until, you know, I met John Carter, which was, I believe it was 2013, 2012, oh, wow. 2013. Okay. So, I was trading stocks that entire time, but options, it just was intriguing to me. Um, I'm very analytical, you know, options does involve math. So I think that's what also attracted me to the options. And I thought, okay, I'd see if I can make options work with canceling type of trading. Mm -hmm. And so far? So far, so good. I still okay. trade, uh, I'm like 50-50 as far mm -hmm. as stocks, uh, you know, try, buying the equity versus make placing the option trade. So 
Uh, I'm not 100% options, but about 50-50. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to get a lot more into options, what kind of options uh, Harold does, and get a little bit more details in that in the second segment. But first, let's talk a little bit about the market. So um, when you're when you're doing options, do you do much in terms of options on the overall market indexes? I know that you've shared uh, sometimes a few uh, spread trades on the queues, you know, things like that. But um, what's what's your take on the market right now? Well, my take on the market, well, first off, yes, I do do options on the queues or SBY, those ETFs. So mm -hmm. I look for exposure in either one of those two ETFs. But right now the market, it is, even though we had a really good day today, um, we're still not out of the woods yet. You know, we have that that chart we always look at, the GMI AV. Um, we got a lot of weakness there. So I think Allie a few days ago called it the, instead of the advanced decline line, she called it the decline advance line because <laughs> it's just been declining and we need to see an improvement in that advanced decline line before the, we're anywhere close to being out of the woods as far as the market is concerned right now. Good thing about at least today on the NASDAQ, you know, we had that support at that 13,000 level. So I think that was a key support area for the NASDAQ. And Harold, what do you think about the, how narrow the market is? It, it is, I, I want to say like the, both in on uh, the New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq, the the number of percentage of stocks above their 150-day moving average is around 25%. Um, how how does that kind of take into account when, when you're doing your market analysis? Well, that's just telling you we just don't have the breadth that we want to see, and that advanced decline line is evidence of that. So uh, what we need is we need to see that breadth improve. You know, I do, what we tend to do here is we look at the equal weights. You know, for the SPY, for, for the S&P 500, you have RSP. And then for the NASDAQ, we have QQEW. So when those two, and those are both ETFs, so when you see those improve, improving along with the major indexes, that's a sign that, okay, we've got some participation by everybody, you know, your large cap, uh, small caps, medium caps. That's what you need to see for this market. And we don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would caution on QQEW is remember, you know, it's still going off the NASDAQ 100 and mm -hmm. it's still the 100 biggest stocks, you know, right. on the NASDAQ, right. uh, non-financial, I should, I should mention. Um, so, you know, even, even the equal weight, you know, there is, you're, you're still really kind of focused on the, on the large cap and, you know, that's, you know, same could be said uh, for the S&P 500. You really yeah. are in that large cap um, area. But you can see if you look at RSP and then you look at IWM, which is the Russell 2000, you look at NDY, which is the mid caps. I mean, they all look pretty ugly. I mean, this is, right. you know, the NASDAQ looks very different. The NASDAQ composite and the and NASDAQ 100 look very different from these other indexes. And I think that divergence is something that you really have to pay attention to. Yeah. So in the meantime, we're just going to just watch what the market's doing and wait for things to improve. There's really no need to, there's no urgency to get back into the market. So mm -hmm. we just wait and see what happens with the market. We'll act accordingly based on what the market is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is the whole seasonality thing. A lot of bottoms that happened in October um, and, you know, how even where we are in the presidential cycle, how a lot of people are looking for a good end to the year. Um, what are you, you know, what are you doing with that information? 
Well, I'm still watching the charts because even if the seasonality comes into play, it's it's going to show up on the charts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these these you know these all these seasonality studies. Uh, there's a reason why people pay, pay attention to them because they do work. But just because we're in October doesn't mean that okay. Well, we typically see bottoms. Now's a bottom. Let's start buying. You need to watch the chart before you really take uh, that seasonality. The charts will confirm that the seasonality is in play. Uh, if you did, look earlier this year, typically, you know, the sell in May and go away. Well, if you did that, you missed out. So mm-hmm. that particular seasonality did not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Harold, Her- now you get a chance to talk to a lot of uh, MarketSmith subscribers, IBD subscribers. How's the, you know, this? it's another nice sentiment gauge on the yeah. retail investor. How's kind of the mood uh, amongst the, the retail investor? Uh, now, obviously, a little bit more active, more proactive, I also want to say. How's the, how's the mood amongst the, the customers, just their feelings on the market? Well, I say right now, presently, it, it is, they're very tentative so mm-hmm. because of what the market has been doing, but because of what the market is doing. Back in May, June of earlier this year, I know people who kind of missed out in that rally because they just weren't prepared. You know, we had a lot of back and forth, a lot of volatility leading up into the May, uh, the May cycle. And maybe though, maybe people were paying attention to that seasonality, you know, go away, uh, you know, go in May, go away. Well, that didn't work out this year. So my approach has always been, no matter what the market is doing, I'm going to stay engaged with the market. I'm always going to be doing my research because I want to be prepared for an uptrend. We're always going to have one. We don't know when, but I want to be able to hit the ground running when that uptrend comes along. Mm-hmm. And so I think I do it's know tough. some. Yeah, I do know some subscribers back in you know early summer that said, "Hey, I I, I really didn't get in. I mm-hmm. I missed out on this rally here, and that's unfortunate." But uh, that's why I always try to encourage people, you know, yeah, you got to stay engaged no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that was maybe tough about May is um, now, granted, you, you look at the chart and the NASDAQ shows it perfectly here. I mean, it really mm-hmm. tightened up in April um, right before that kind of launch. Um, but, you know, uh, again, if you uh, we, we had this habit of a very narrow rally it was led by just a few stocks um so some sometimes people were finding a little bit harder to get traction in their individual names and uh i think whenever we have kind of like a crisis in this case we had you know kind of a banking crisis going on you know banks were failing and a lot of people were wondering two months in because that's when may was it was only two months from Mm -hmm. when silicon valley bank failed um hey is this is this done or are there going to be other shoes to drop here? Uh, not to mention you have all of the, the, the rate hike fears, putting pressure on growth stocks, um, recession fears. We've had an inverted yield curve, you know, and it's kind of getting to that time where the inverted yield curve happens. And 18 months later is usually when you get your recession. We're kind of in that range. So, um, yeah, you know, as you said, I think people had a lot of reasons to be tentative, but yeah. At the end of the day, you got to look at the chart, right? Right, right. Because one of the things, uh, you know, Arnie and I, Arnie Gutierrez, one of our other Mark Smith coaches, we do a stay and step at the end of the month. And our theme for the last several months has been trend lines over headlines. Mm. And this is a quote. I found a quote out of Bill's book where 
I forget what page it's on, but he basically was saying that you know your 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 people who are really into the market. They do most. They do their research there. They're always looking at what the market is doing and not paying attention to the headlines. You do have to pay attention to what the headlines are saying. But in the book, he says, "Watch." He used the word tape because yeah. back when uh, when he built it back <laughs> in the '60s, you know, he only had the tape. So I just came up with the phrase "trend lines over headlines," meaning, okay, let's look at the chart and what the chart is doing because you know the old saying: the market climbs uh, a wall of worry. Right. And you just listed all the worries that could say, yeah, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not going to go and get into this market because we got all these issues popping up in the market. It's it's going to it's going to just it's just going to fold. And that didn't happen. That's why I say stay engaged no matter what. So trend lines over headlines is our uh, our our uh, market smith theme nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, I think one of the not one of the other really challenging things uh, about this market uh, and is that in addition to it being narrow, as we saw in the, the advanced decline line or the decline advance line, um, <laughs> what it, we're running out of we're running out of kind of areas to hide too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, energy, right? Energy was one of those areas and still probably on a relative strength basis still. Uh, most likely the strongest one, but that started coming. But the traditional type of defensive areas, and this is obviously due to rates, but could be other things too. There could be something else going on here. But when you look at like the utilities, how bad that's getting hit, or yeah. the staples, right? It, they're they're getting hit so hard that there might be something else going on here that we don't necessarily know because especially or the utilities. Gold. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, gold. Yeah, I haven't even looked at gold recently. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, gold there's gold, no reason gold. to. Yeah. <laughs> gold is kind well, of one that's the reason when, you haven't looked at it. Right. Yeah. But when rates are rising, why be in gold? I mean, gold you yeah. need price appreciation, but if you can get a mar- money market fund at 5%, why not just park it there? So I think that's yeah. why gold is uh is suffering in the way and utilities, you know, again, right. you know, right. hey, hey, yeah, who, utilities. who cares about that dividend of, you know, uh, a percent or two, um, you know, when, when you've got, when you've got a money market that you don't have to worry about the capital depreciation in order to get that, you know, a few percent of dividend, you can just, you know, have it, have it stay, stay stable. Um, yeah. And, you know, to your point about the, the headlines, uh, you know, trend lines over headlines, it reminds me of the book, uh, how I made $2 million by Nicholas Darvis and how, mm-hmm. you know, here's this dancer that's, you know, getting his data, you know, two to three days late sometimes. And he, I think he had a story about someone who was basically doing his uh, trades, you know, com- like, like basically off the grid, you know, and didn't know anything about, it. he was just looking at the numbers and, uh, you know, making those decisions from that. But let, let's, let's look at the NASDAQ real quick, because again, the NASDAQ right now is the strongest of the, of the indexes and you know today's action was was a pretty strong day so uh why why not say hey it's a strong day let's go for it i mean we we've we've gotten that thirteen thousand test and uh you know why not say let's roll well we were testing fourteen thousand not too long ago so uh <laughs> uh so i remember at 14 000, i said man we are finding a lot of support at fourteen thousand. And here we are at 13,000. So, uh, and we outlined a lot of the things, uh, a few of the things that it's really not time to get in, primarily with the breadth. You know, we need mm-hmm. more participation yeah. by, by the small and mid caps. And 
if I, if you know if I'm a fund manager, you know I've been in a market, you know my 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 bonuses depends on how well my performance. And you know if I'm in a Nasdaq, you no know, Nasdaq is up. I think last time I checked was like thirty over thirty percent. And if I'm a fund manager, let's say I haven't gotten all of that, but I'm up in the upper twenties. Well, here we are in October. Why take a whole lot of risk? Because you know, I, I've got the, I'm, I've got the, I'm spending that that bonus money right now. I, I know where I'm going to put it. So, and I think a lot of these fund managers they're looking at the Magnificent Seven as a place to park some money because yeah. they're large companies. That's you know, a safe space, right? right. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're not your spots. traditional. Yeah, they're not your traditional uh, um, a defensive plays, but it's a they're large companies. You can someone pay a dividend. You know, Apple pays a dip, a dividend, so you can uh, park some money in some of these funds here and kind of protect your gains. So you've got these fund managers who are kind of sitting on their hands trying to protect their bonuses. Well, and a lot of these big, big cap companies, mega cap companies, they've got a lot of cash flow, right? Yeah. They're they're sitting on these, you know piles of cash. And so they don't have to go out and borrow at these higher rates. Whereas some of these small cap companies, you know, mm. are a little bit more reliant on going out, borrowing money, um, issuing debt, and, you know, they're <laughs> having to pay up for it now, which can really kind of squeeze your margins. Um, but I, I don't know, uh, Arusha, maybe you can speak to this. I, I would I would question whether or not a lot of mutual fund managers have done that well this year, because with such a narrow rally, a lot of times they have to diversify and you know, diversification has not protected you here. No, it, uh, I, I mean, I want to say I heard a stat that it was only 20% of the managers are outperforming their benchmarks this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm not sure if that's exactly true, but it wouldn't surprise me because it has, when, when it is a narrow rally like this and when the rotation is happening so quickly, it's very hard to stay up with, with a benchmark. Uh, and so there, there's definitely a lot of frustration out there, especially if you have to be in 40, 50, 100 mm -hmm. names. And we saw with the advanced decline line, so see with the, a lot of the narrowing of the market, most of those names are going down, right? Yeah. And there's only so much weighting you can have in the Magnificent Seven for these large mutual funds. So yeah, yeah. As, as an individual investor, we're, we're definitely much lucky because we can choose to be in, we can choose to be out and say, hey, you know what, I'll just be in a few of the Magnificent Seven or I'll just be in cash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you showed those numbers for, you know, QQQ being up 35%, but let's remember that, you know, SPY, that's only up 11% year to date and RSP, yeah. that's negative. Wow. So, for the year. So a, a very, very different picture. Um, well, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some details on how Harold uses options and why. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires, who joins me every week. And our special guest this week is Harold Morris. Uh, he's a senior product coach over at Investors Business Daily. Uh, he's been he's been working with us for over 20 years now, so uh, he's got a lot of experience chatting with subscribers, uh, educating them. He's very patient. He's known for that. And uh, he's also known as our options guy, because a lot of times when people come up with options questions, uh, we don't have as many options experts 
experts around the, the firm. And so Harold's kind of our go-to. Uh, he already described a little bit about how he got into it with a, uh, you know, a, a chance encounter with John Carter. But uh, what, what kind of option trading do you do exactly, Harold? I'm primarily a spread trader. So I like to sell premium and mm -hmm. using, uh, you know, put spreads, call spreads. Okay. So actually, so yeah, Harold, maybe what, what, let's start from the beginning on that. Just to okay. find, <laughs> define what, what uh, each of those are and, and you know, uh, you know, put, put it more into stock terms, I guess. Okay. Well, when you say selling premium, that means you're, you're taking in a credit. Okay. And I like, so I, it's a way of getting a little bit of income. So I like to sell premium. And when I say it's spread, you're selling, you're selling in most cases a put. Uh, and uh, well, if you're you're if you're doing a put spread, you're selling a put, okay. and then you're buying a put. If you're on the call side, then you're selling a call or buying a call, or and then selling a call or buying a call. So it's uh, on either whether it doesn't matter if it's calls or put, it's a spread. So it's the it's in the same cycle, expiration cycle. Okay. You're just using different strikes. It doesn't matter if it's puts or calls. Mm -hmm. And so like for the, the put, you're selling a put maybe at a higher price and then buying the put a little bit lower price just to Correct. protect you for from some kind of uh, extreme kind of situation? Correct. Correct. So a selling a spread, whether a call spread or a put spread, it is called a, it's considered a risk-defined trade. That's one another reason why I like these type of trades because you know what your risk is going into the trade. So I already know how much I'm going to risk. That's one of the beauties of, of, of selling options is I know exactly what I'm going to, what, what my risk is. So I say, okay, if this trade just collapses two seconds after I, I put the trade on, then I know what my risk is. And as long as I'm watching my position, position size, then I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just to, again, define some terms. So uh, a call, what is, what is a call? Well, a call just, it's, it's a, what most people are aware of, a call is it's a bullish strategy. So you can buy a call in the expectation that the stock is going to go up in price. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then buying a put is the opposite. So if you buy a put, you're expecting the stock to go down in price. Right. Because so that's the call. And, 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 yeah. So that's yeah. a simplistic definition. Yeah, you you of get the call. ability to buy the stock at a set price with the call. And with the put, you have the ability to sell. Uh, stock at a set price. And of course, right. when you sell a call, that's typically more bearish, right? right. Uh, because you're taking on the risk, the obligation of being that person that's going to buy the stock. And so it's almost like you're short uh, and you don't know how high up it can go. So as you said, you know, selling a call is not risk defined, but you make it risk defined by buying that call to to make sure you're protected, right? Right. I call it you're buying it for protection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, what you're talking about here, it seems like a lot of selling premium. So are you just mostly uh, into the credit spreads or do you do the other side where you're doing debit spreads? And that's where a lot of times, you know, for the credit spreads, you're, the, the, the amount that you're selling is more than the amount that you're buying. And so you end up with a credit. Right. And so do you do debit spreads as well, where you might be buying something at a higher price and the uh, the option that you're selling is, yeah, is lower? Uh, yeah. Occasionally I will do a debit spread 
and I like to do it right at the at the money. So the at the money is the basically the stock price. So if I do a debit spread, I like to buy one strike in the money and then one strike out of the money. Okay. And I do that occasionally, but I just prefer the selling the premium and taking in that credit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, debit spreads, that is a strategy I will use, especially when volatility is low. When right. I say volatility, I'm talking about the VIX. You know, we we'll look at the VIX as a measure of volatility. You know, a few weeks ago, the VIX was right around, you know, 12, you know, mm-hmm. which was extremely low. And that's when debit spreads tend to work a little bit better than your credit spreads. Credit spreads. But over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen the VIX go up. So um, options premiums have gotten a lot better the last, last, last week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the VIX, of course, you know, when we say volatility, that's specifically implied volatility, which mm-hmm. is looking, you know, to the future. What is the expectation for a move? Now, it doesn't tell you direction. It just tells you, oh, the expectation is for a move of, of however much, um, you know, as opposed to historical volatility, which is kind of, hey, you're just using the standard deviation, what's typical for it. So, um, so yeah, so maybe get into this a little bit uh, more when you're... Well, and actually, uh, before we get into that, uh, Harold, what about time frame? Are you going oh, out like yeah. a month, two months? <laughs> Extremely good important. Point, good point. Yeah. One of the things I learned from John Carter is give yourself the gift of time. So... When I'm looking at the options, I go to at least 45 to 60 days out, okay? Uh, these zero expiration, the, the, the zero uh, DTE. Zero days I, expiration, yeah, the zero I, DTE, yeah. I, 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 didn't even, I, I heard about it. I, didn't even, I haven't even looked into it. So don't ask me about zero DTE because, like I said, what I've learned is, you know, you want to give yourself the gift of time. So when I'm placing an option trade, I want to be at least 45 to 60 days out just to give that that option a chance to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of times people are talking about what's known as the volatility crush and mm-hmm. how the implied volatility, um, you know, when you're further out, you know, a lot can happen, right? But as you get closer and closer to that expiration date, you know, there mm-hmm. is that time limit and less can happen, right? So the, the chances of it moving uh, nearly as much, you know, start going down. So that does make your option, uh, you know, option values less valuable. So right. if you're selling premium, that, that works to your favor, right? So right. How, do you, how do you handle that as you get closer and closer to that expiration and you might be having that benefit of the implied volatility going down for you? Yeah, so, yeah, so as time goes, up, goes by, if you're selling premium, that, that time works in your favor. But I like to look at uh, doing something with the trade at 21 days expiration. So mm-hmm. if I so I place a trade like we're right about uh, like uh, in the in the in the November or December uh, time frame, about 45 days out. So right now, if I put, look at the option chain, I'm going to go about 44, 45 days out. I'm going to do something or manage that trade once we get to 21 days expiration. Once you get that close to expiration, there's not a whole lot of um, uh, what's the term? There's not a whole lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, mm-hmm. because you're this that close to expiration. So um, 21 days of expiration, that's when I'm looking to do something to trade, either lock in some profits, you know, maybe the trade is profitable, or uh, I might roll it. Rolling is a way of just buying some time. Say the trade is not working for me. You know, maybe I'm down on it. I can buy time by rolling it out to a, uh, a further expiration just to give myself some more time 
for that trade to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and so I, I guess maybe the, you know, how, how do you take like IBD, right? And take, take kind of the stock picking from IBD and, and now execute it, you know? So yeah. how are you finding some of the ideas? Are they, you finding, are you doing anything different from the uh, stock picking for options versus just buying a stock? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a question I've heard gotten many times over the years. People say, well, can I trade uh, IBD stocks? Uh, and, and, and yes, you can't, you know, a, a good option trade starts out with a good stock and IBD, you know, we've got good stocks, right? And regardless of what subscription you've got, you can find good stocks. So you want to have something that's liquid. Typically stocks that are very liquid have good, good spreads, but not all the time. So you can find a stock that trades, let's say, a million shares on average, it's got a 50-day average of a million shares. But when you go look at the option chain, the spreads, the bid and ask, just might be too wide. So in that case, I just say, okay, I like the stock. I'm not going to do the option, but I will buy the shares. That's like I said right at the beginning. I'm about 50-50 in, uh, with buying the shares versus trading the option because there's been many times where I say, hey, I like the stock, but I do not like the options uh, because – the, sp- the bid ask is just too wide. Mm-hmm. Do you have a threshold there for if the bid ask spread is X percent, I'm not going to do it? What, what's kind of your, your yeah, rule of ten, thumb? Yeah, 10% is typically what I look at, but a lot of time I'll just eyeball it. You know, I might do the numbers, plug in the numbers and see, okay, well, what's the percentage difference between the bid and the ask? And, and what's typical is the 10%. But many times I'll just eyeball it and then the smaller the, the difference between bid and ask, the better, the more liquid mm-hmm. it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned rolling. So, you know, uh, rolling is one of the things you can do when the trade isn't working. So when do you decide to roll versus I'm just going to cut my loss because the trade is going against me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, rolling, it's a somewhat of a controversial subject subject because, uh, you know, you can get into some Jerry Springer type of arguments when it comes to rolling. <laughs> and some people just think of, okay, when you're rolling, you're just kicking the can down the, down the road. So uh-huh. if you're down on it, just cut, cut the trade and move on and look for something else. But typically when I will look to roll a trade, especially, well, number one, if you're going to roll and you're doing spreads, you want to roll for credit. Okay. If you're half naked, meaning that you only sold a put or you sold a call or you bought a call if you're naked, then you can easily roll for credit to a later expiration, which spreads is a lot more difficult. And if the trade is going against me, then I immediately start looking to see, can I roll this, this, this trade for a credit to the future? So like if I put a trade on today, I might be looking into de- to December to see, can I roll this trade to, for credit? And in most, many, in most cases, cases you cannot do it. So I just leave, leave the trade alone. Occasionally, I will buy, roll it for a debit. But when you roll for a debit, that, um, uh, that, that increases your risk. Mm-hmm. So I try not to roll for a debit. But sometimes it's, it's a stock that, I'm, uh, that I, I really like. Or maybe I've come down to a, a uh, level of support. Maybe the stock has declined. It came down to a level of support. I think it's going to come off support. I might buy some more time by rolling it into a later expiration just to see if this trade is going to work. So you really do 
make sure that you're looking at that stock chart too. It's not just oh, yeah. about what's happening yeah. with the option. You know, you're making a lot of decisions based on what's happening with the stock. Is it at a level of support? Is it doing what you expected to a large degree? Right, right. All right, and there are some people who, who don't look at stock charts and they strictly go by the math because mm-hmm. uh, options are, it's, it's all based on math. But since, you know, here at IBD, we use, we use charts. And I think charts is a real good way to, to trade options. You can look at a stock and you say, okay, I see support at a certain level. Uh, I can sell a put at that level with the expectation of the stock coming down to support and then moving away off the, off that support to the upside. Selling a put, by the way, that is a bullish strategy. Mm-hmm. So, Harold, for those who are listening and might be interested in getting into options, you know, what, what are some of the kind of the, the, the first steps that they should take? What, what's some of the early advice and maybe some of the, the mistakes that they should try to avoid or, or you, know, the, you know, the easy kind of pitfalls, kind of, kind of like the rolling, you know, and getting yourself in more yeah. trouble? Well, whether you're trading options or just buying the equity, number one thing you should do is educate yourself. You know, education, that's your best risk strategy. Okay, so educate yourself. We have an article on investors.com. I think it's called Option of the Day. You'll see a little radio button on, 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 on investors.com. You can click on that, and there's a different option trade where they break it down. The great thing about this article it's from a Kansom's perspective. So they'll let you, we have a couple of writers that, that write for us. They'll let you know what the composite rating is and some of the other IBD ratings. They'll talk about what's going on with the chart. And then they'll outline what the option trade is. So I would start there just to get your feet wet with an article. Uh, and these articles are very good. Uh, it's something I look at on a daily basis. So we got some articles on investors.com. We also have a options course. Uh, so you can go into the um, into the IBD store. We have options, course, especially with the holidays coming up. They tend to put these courses on sale. So, uh, but if you're if you want to get into it now, you know, uh, I just you know buy it now, get that course now, and get started with options. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so Gavin McMaster and Anne-Marie Band are two of the, the main writers we have for those options. And of course, Anne-Marie Band has been on the podcast a number of times on IBD Live as well. Um, Gavin, you know, he, he's a little bit tougher to get on uh, shows because he's at a very different time zone. But yeah, mm-hmm. both of them do those spread trades um, and, and some other ones too, you know, Iron Condors, Butterflies. Uh, which are a little bit more advanced spreads. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot to consider there. And I should also mention that, you know, one of the benefits uh, is that you can go, uh, you can go with a bearish position and mm. it's kind of nice because, because these are risk-defined, you can do them in Roth IRAs and, right. you know, IRAs and things like that, where you would normally not be able to go short and go bearish on a position. Um, but these spread trades do allow you to do that. All right. All right. And one one other quick word about the articles. They're all archived, so yes. you can mm-hmm. you there. Are, there's a list there, and you can just go through them. And uh, it, like I said, you need to educate yourself first before you start getting the options. Because options, you know, it's a little bit different dynamic. You have you have time involved, mm-hmm. uh, especially the time because each option has a it's an option contract. They all have expiration. So, you know, you just can't buy it and sit on it like you can buying a stock. So you need to understand the expiration, yeah. strikes, uh, bid-ass, et cetera. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot to consider. Well, when we come back, we're going to have Harold dive into some examples uh, from the current market, and he's going to go through how he sets up his option trades. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires. He's a portfolio manager over at O'Neill Global Advisors, and he joins me every week when he can. Uh, sometimes he has that other job that he has to do. But uh, even then, man, you, you come in from Boston, do, do what you can. Um, and then, of course, we also have Harold Morris. Uh, Harold Morris is a senior product coach, uh, Arusha. Uh, worked with him for a long time, you know, as a member of the MarketSmith team. I worked with him back in the customer service days. He's been great at educating so many subscribers over uh, over his tenure here at IBD. And now he's going to get into some option trades, uh, walking us through exactly how he does this. So um, you want to start with Alphabet maybe uh, and, and kind of walk us through how you would do a, a, a trade here using options? Yeah. Yeah. So with with uh... Alphabet, I keep wanting to call it Google. Well, it nah, is Google. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I, I think you can get away with it. You know, <laughs> uh, if, if you're going to have your ticker symbol, G-O-O-G-L, yeah, you know what? You're Google. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, whether you're, you're going to be trade trading the stock, buying the, buying the shares, or trading option, in this market, you want to look for something showing some relative strength. Okay. Google is one of those stocks showing some relative strength. One of the things I've been looking at on, you look at the weekly chart, you can see the percentage off the high and Google is showing that relative strength. We have it in the upper right in MarketSmith. So that was one of the things that attracted me to Google. So again, whether you're trading the shares or an option, you want to be, you want to have a bullish option trade, you need something that's gonna, that is showing some relative strength in this market. So, um, what I've been doing recently in the recent market is looking at levels of support on a stock there. So one of the things I liked with Google on the daily chart, you see the, the, the moving averages, they're converging together. Hmm. Okay. So I've, and that's something I talked about on the, on IBD live, you know, when the moving average converge, that tends to serve as a good support area. It could also serve as a resistance area, but in the case with Google, it's, it's support. So uh, I didn't uh, I didn't write down any numbers, but I'm looking at those levels. So I can hold my left mouse button down on one of those moving averages. Say like the look at the, what the 50 day is, and what's what's the 50 day moving average? Uh, uh, it's on, 133.02. Uh, okay, so 133. So I could say you know what, uh, I'm bullish on Google. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell a put spread, which is a bullish trade. And I'm going to look for a strike for my short strike at maybe around 130. So if Google comes down to that level and finds support there and goes up, then that trade is going to work for me. So you can use technical analysis to find levels of support and resistance. That's something I've been doing a lot in this in this market because the market seems to be moving on technicals. So uh, uh, so with Google, I could use maybe maybe like a 130 maybe the 130 strikes, just sell that. And then I like to do $5 wide, $5 wide. Um, and again, I haven't looked at the, the uh, option chain, but uh, I'm pretty sure Google's liquid enough where I can do 
a $5 wide spread, maybe sell the 130 and then buy the 125 for protection. Mm-hmm. And that's that's on the put side? That's on the put side, yes. Right. Okay. So yeah. selling the 130, um, which it looks like that's trading, um, you know, the, the, the bid and ask is between 350 and 430. And then the 125, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm on GOOO. GL, uh, you're on GOOG, so let me go. Let me go there to make sure I'm in the right spot. I was like, hey, this is this is out of the money. Um, so yeah, and, um, and actually, Harold, and, and so like, yeah, because I'm looking at the options chain here too. So you would go out like 45 days, you said? Yeah, so maybe like 40, November, November, yeah, 44 days expiration. So the November yeah. 17th is okay. where I'd be looking. Okay, and then selling that 130, mm-hmm. and then buying the 125. Okay, uh, for protection. Okay, and and when I when I before and when I sell the 130, another thing I do is I look at the delta. Uh, that 130 uh, strike is is a delta 30. 30. It's like I'm showing a delta 31. So if I'm not looking, if I'm not using tacticals to put together my trade, I'll start with the delta. I like to start with the delta 30 and then work from there. And, and maybe then I'll just play around, play around with the strikes for, for for everybody. Yeah. So delta, um, it's one of the Greeks. So the classic definition of a delta is, so if you have a delta 30, for every dollar move in the stock, the, that delta or that strike is going to move 30 cents. Okay, so if you have a delta 50, for every dollar move in the stock, it's going to move 50 cents. So I tend to start with a delta 30, and then I work from there. It just so happens in this case with Google, that 130 strike happens to be a delta 31. So um, it's almost, you know, it, that's perfect. So I mm-hmm. would start from there. And then I like to do $5 wide. That's just something I've always done. And in this case, I would sell the 30, 130 strike and then buy the 125. And let's see, what's gonna, what's that going to give Probably us? Probably looking at about a $1.20, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm showing $1.17 as far as the credit. Uh, okay. I prefer a little bit more credit. So I would shift around the play around with the strikes a little bit just to bring in some more credit. But that's that's where I start, either using uh, technical analysis to find maybe a support area if I'm bullish on the stock or if I'm not if I'm just going to use the option math, I'll start with the Delta 30 and then go from there. You know, and it's also worth mentioning that with that Delta, you know, that's that's what it is now. But one of the things about options is that that changes, right? Yeah, so as the dynamic. trade goes, you know, in the direction you want or against you, um, it, it it kind of is a dynamic thing. It, it changes. And so, you know, as you get more in the money, you get closer to a one for one, you know, uh, kind of delta where right. you know, for every point the stock moves, you get a point move in the option. And as you get further out of the money, that, that number, of course, is going to get much, much smaller. Um, so... So and, let's and, say and, uh, just just quickly, mm-hmm. Justin. Well, what's the worst case scenario in in, in uh, this case for for Google that goes below like one twenty five, or so, like really one twenty three or so? Because it's again the premium. Well, if it goes below my my short strike, so if I yeah. do, if I if I sold the one thirty, you know, I want to stay above one thirty. Yeah. If it goes down below that, then that's when I know the trade trade is working against me, and then here's why I have to do something, as and. Uh, we talked about rolling a, a moment ago. I look, I try to roll for a credit again. Always roll for a credit. If again, if you're naked, it's easy to find. Uh, roll it out to future for a credit, but in spreads, 
it's a little bit difficult because, well, just think about it. You know, if you want more time, you're going to have to pay for it. I mean, you could, if you can roll for a credit, you know, everybody will roll for a credit over and over until they're profitable. Yeah. So, uh, so most of the time uh, when you're rolling, it's usually for a debit. And, um, and like I said, the, Ideally, you don't want to roll for a credit. I mean, excuse me, for a debit. I might do so if it's three or four cents and I'm very, uh, I've got a lot of conviction on the stock. But in general, the rule is always roll for a credit. Mm-hmm. And and also, just so people know, again, kind of back to that risk defined element. Let's say let's say you were bringing in a credit of $1.20. And remember, you're going to multiply that by 100 for uh, each contract because there's a hundred shares per contract. So it would really be $120 that you would receive in premium. Um, the most that you're risking in that case would be $380 because right. you take the spread uh, of your, of your strikes, that's $5 spread between the strikes. And, you know, you subtract the premium that you received and that gives you that, that 380. So, I mean, it's, you know, really you're, you're risking 380 to potentially get 120 that's a 30% return and like, you know, return on risk in what, 44 days. Uh, right. That's, that's, right. that's not, not but, too bad. But you bring um, up so, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You bring up a point. If, if you roll for a credit, then that adds to the credit that you've already received. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you roll for a debit, that takes away from the credit right. that you already received and that increases your risk. Mm-hmm. So you, and then that lowers your, your uh, profit potential. So that's why the rule is you want to always want to roll for a credit because, you know, you're lowering your risk by doing so. Mm-hmm. And of course the, you know, the worst case scenario there, again, you always know what that worst case scenario is in advance, but that would be if it closed below 125 at the expiration. Oh, um, yeah. Now, how often are you holding on to these spreads uh, until expiration, because you mentioned at 21 days, you're usually making a decision. All right. Yeah, I, I I have never held a spread trade or any type of option trade to expiration. So when we get to that 21 days, then uh, you know I'm looking to make a decision. Uh, I will sometimes wait for a trade to work a little bit. Uh, actually, actually with Meta today, uh, I had a spread trade on Meta, which wasn't working, but finally it started to work. I was 16 days from expiration. I just wanted to give a little more wiggle room for it to work. And I finally, I, I closed it out with a 5% profit. Now I was negative most of the trade, but I say, hey, 5%, I'll take that and I'll move on because I'm going to turn around and put another trade on because Meta is, is, is setting up pretty nicely. So I'll put another spread trade on Meta. Well, let's talk about that. What, what uh, would you do right now for Meta in terms of a spread trade here? Yeah, so with Meta, uh, again, what attracted me was on the weekly chart, you can see the, the consolidation right at that 10-week moving average. So, and, it, and it's been riding that for, for several weeks. And so it's finding support there. So with Meta, um, I'm going to do the same thing. So I'm going to do what I'm going to – let me bring it up on my chart here so I can be a little bit more accurate here. Um, so Meta, on the 10-week, the 10-week is at uh, 298 uh, right now. So I might look for a strike maybe of 295 below that. So let me just type that in here. So the 295 on Meta, okay, so that happens to be a Delta 37. 
So I can just start with it. I'll play around with the strike sale. So I'll, I'll sell the 295 and then buy the two. Uh, okay, uh, well, it's $10 wide. So I'll, let me, I'll just play around with the $10 wide and see what happens. And $10 wide. So I sold the 95 strike, bought the 290 and oh, that's $5 wide. what I'm talking about. And I've got a credit of $1.87. So I like that. Uh, I would plug it into the numbers to see, okay, how many contracts I'm going to buy, what is my probability of success, and what my return or risk is going to be. But I like the numbers here with Meta right here. So I be, might be looking to do this tomorrow morning, uh, not right at the open, but sometime tomorrow I'll be looking to, to uh, place a trade on Meta. Mm -hmm. And uh, was that also with the November 14th expiration? Yes. Yeah, okay. also in the November expiration that's 44 days out. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a trade, whether you're going to trade an option or you're going to buy the shares. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, for a lot of people, one of the things that they like is that um, when you're, when you're selling that premium, you actually don't need it to do anything. You know, a lot of times, you know, if it, if it just kind of continues to trade tight, you, you might end up, uh, mm -hmm. you know, winning on the trade because it just hasn't done anything. So you don't actually need it to move. Right. 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 So that's that's called theta. So you can make money if it just trades sideways. Uh, you can make money if it goes down a little bit. You can make money a little bit up. So uh, that's another another beauty about options is especially selling uh, premium like this is um, you don't necessarily have to be right. Exactly. You want to be right, but it does have a little bit more wiggle room versus buying the shares. Mm -hmm. Now, you know that uh, I, I think you mentioned it was a uh, buck eighty-seven. Uh, that was the the premium. So right. that's that's your maximum profit you can get from this. You know, so you know, what well, well, you get that risk-defined trade. You know, that means you're giving up something, right? There's no free right. lunch. You have to give up some reward. Uh, so in this case, you know, the one eighty-seven. That's the maximum that you can gain from this. Um, and since you're not holding until expiration, that means you're not going to gain the full. 187, you know, right. 187. So where do you uh, decide, hey, you know what, I'm just going to take my profit on this one and be happy? Yeah, so I like to take at 50%. So you just take the credit and divide it by two, that's going to give you 50%. So what is that? I'm not real good at math. But uh, <laughs> what is that? Uh, 187. So that's what? Um, You're looking like at 90, 90, 90 meters. Yeah, yeah. yeah something 90, like that. Yeah. Right. So that will be my target as far as my profit. Now, if we get to 21 days out and let's say, hey, I don't I don't I haven't gotten that 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 50 percent. Yeah, maybe I've gotten 30. Well, I'll just take that. I'll take that and, mm -hmm. and move on and look for something else. Or if I'm down on a trade, uh, I'll look to see if I can roll it. OK. And then, like I said, if, if um, you know, rolling for a credit is somewhat difficult for a spread trading. But I'm always checking to see if something pops up. If nothing pops up, then most likely I'm just going to close the trade out and then move on and look for something else. Yeah, I'll take the loss and then move on and look for something else. Because mm -hmm. remember, so, this is risk defined because yeah. I already knew going in what my maximum maximum risk is going to be. What what about earnings season? How how do you kind of manage that? Do you just avoid if if it's coming within that window, yeah. you're you're avoiding it going into some other stocks? Just like we do with stocks. So right now, earnings season is coming up. I'm looking to see, you know, when is earnings? Um, Google, I, I think Google's got earnings coming up pretty soon here. So 
Uh, I think we're 20 days out from Google. Yeah, there you go. So uh, I looked at the, I looked at everything else except the earnings. So there's a possibility that I might not just put this trade on because we're just too close to, too close to earnings. So I handle earnings just like we do the equity here. So, you know, if you, you know, handling the equity, the canceling way is typically if you have 10% or more profit going in, then you can hold through earnings. Uh, I handle the, uh, the, the stocks the same way. I mean, the options the same way. If I have a profit, if I have a profit, I'm going to, I'm just going to sell the stock and, and take that profit and move on and look for something else and see what happens with the earnings. So handle it the same way we do with stocks. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and shift gears and uh, take a look at ANET, uh, your your final stock. And, um, you know, this one, you know, whereas, you know, the, you know, Google and um, Meta have been kind of trading a little bit more sideways, this has actually been in a little bit more of an uptrend. Do you handle this differently at all? Uh, no, I don't handle it differently. But again, what one of the things that attracted me to it was, you know, it's showing some relative strength. Mm-hmm. So it is right now support, finding support at the 10 week moving average. So I can look and see, okay, the 10 week uh, is at 184 right now. So I might look and see in the option chain, maybe I can find a 180 strike. So I would go into my uh, thinkorswim and I'll just type in ANET. And what I say for- uh, What, 184? Yeah, 184 is where it's trading. So maybe I'll look for a 180 strike. So the 180, 180 put, on uh, on ANET, again, we're going 44 days out, which is the November expiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at the bid and ask. It's kind of wide. It's yeah. 30 cents. Here. So that's a little bit on the wide side. But just for the sake of, you know, uh, let's say it was closer. Uh, 30 cents is kind of wide here. So that's a little bit on the, the wide side. But if I were going to go for it, say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really bullish on ANET, uh, I would sell that uh, – Let's go with the 175. Sell the 175, and then buy the 170 for a protection, and I get a credit of a dollar fifty there. So, and I can always play around with the strikes and see what type of um, uh, credit I can receive. Yeah, but I like that selling the 175, buying the 170, and again we're in the November 17 expiration cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there? Is there ever uh, those those cases where you're getting more credit, and that might seem attractive, but what's the downside of getting more credit? Well, your probability of success is lower. So mm-hmm. uh, that so that's that's your uh, there's always a give and take trade off, you know? right? It's yeah. So if you get a nice credit, you can be happy with that because that's money that you receive. But then again, your probability of success is lower. But then. Uh, are you, how bullish? Are, what kind of conviction do you have on that on the stock here? If it goes up, you got a nice credit, you get a little appreciation in price, then it's, it's, it'd be a win-win. So like a little bit of a the, the cherry on top, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And maybe talk one more time about cutting losses because again, you you can't apply a seven percent, eight percent, you know, stop right. loss on an option trade. You know, they just they just move too much to do that. So right. um, you know, for a net, for example. Would you be looking at the stock and say, oh, if the stock does this, I'm going to exit the trade, the option trade? Or are you looking at um, what's happening to the premium of your option? Yeah, so I tend to look more at the technical. So with ANET, you know, see, it's, 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 it's above the pivot. 
So I'd be using that pivot. I would be setting alert, and I want to be alert to see if it pulls back to the pivot. Doesn't necessarily mean I'll sell it, but I at least want to know if it pulls mm -hmm. back there. Because one of the things when you structure an option trade, you, when you're using think or swim, it'll tell you what your break even is. So uh, let me just look real quick. So with, if I uh, if I sell that 175 by the 170, my break even is going to be 173. Okay, 173.50. I can locate that on the chart, and I can use that as my stop loss. Mm -hmm. So 173. Uh, it's, okay, so that's almost right around a little bit below the pivot. So the pivot like a few percent is at 178. Pivot, yeah. yeah, so 173, that would be my break even. But I, was, I would still set the alert at the pivot because I want to know if it pulls back. Then I can make a decision. I can say, okay, I know what my break even is. I set an alert for the break even. So I would have two alerts one for that pivot because many times the stock will, uh, will pull back to the pivot and then take off again. Or, and I also set an alert for the break even. So if it comes down to the break even, then I then I can say, okay, this stock, it's it's going against me. I'm at the break even. What do I want to do? Is this a support area, or is it is this trade just going to work against me? And I just need to, you know, cut my loss and, and move on and look for something else. Mm -hmm. That's what I did with the uh, with spy. Um, if you're looking at IBD Live this past Monday, I had a trade at SPY, SPY, that's the ETF for the S&P 500. I sold a put spread, and the 200-day and my break-even, uh, I mean, the 40-week and my break-even were about the same, and it came right down to it, right? Yeah. And yep. yeah, I think my, my break-even was 420, and the 200-day was, was right around that same level, so I was watching it very closely just to see what it's going to do. And today we got the bounce. So I had a, even a little bit of a sigh of relief, but. Uh, <laughs> Lives to fight another day. <laughs> right, right. So, but this is a trade. This one, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you want to give yourself the gift of time. I still have a lot of time for this trade for it to, to work out. So uh, I did get tested a little bit, but so far it's passed the test because uh, technically it came down to the 40 week. And that 40 week kind of coincided with my break even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, Harold, really appreciate the way that you walked us through this. And of course, people that are really interested in this, um, they can see a lot of videos that you do because, as you mentioned, a lot of times you share your strategies on IBD Live and we pull those out and, uh, you know, serve that up as a video on investors.com. So that's definitely another place that people can look for options content to get that walkthrough. And one of the things I love that you do, you go through the math. What is your probability of success? How do you determine how many contracts you're going to buy, you know, based on how much you're uh, willing to risk to your portfolio? So all of those considerations, um, you know, great having you on, Harold. Thanks a lot for walking us wow. through that. Well, thank you. It was, it was fun. We had a good time here. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you join us next week because we're going to have Mark Ritchie on. Uh, Mark Ritchie, of course, uh, he was featured in Momentum Masters. Uh, he's also a co-instructor with Mark Minervini on a webinar that's going to be coming up, their, their annual webinar that Mark Minervini does that's sponsored by Market Smith. Uh, it's coming up in just a couple weeks. And Mark Ritchie is one of those uh, co-instructors. So it'll be neat to hear what he has to say, uh, kind of get a little bit of a preview maybe and uh we'll be looking forward to talking with him so thanks a lot for watching we'll see you next time
Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.